encourage you to go ahead and open in your Bible. Our primary text is 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. But if you want to maybe grab a finger in the Old Testament, uh, Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. We'll be on that uh, first and then over to 1 Peter 1 in just a moment after that. But you can go ahead and be turning there. We're continuing in our series person of interest, and we are answering the question, does Jesus still matter in a world that rejects him in the Bible? And the answer is yes, and we want to share with you why that is in various uh, important ways, in ways that Jesus revealed himself, and the way that he answered how the culture uh, even wanted a Savior, and he answered those desires uh, in his own way. And Uh, Last week, we began a 21 days of prayer emphasis. I know if you weren't here last week and you didn't get a chance to get that, you might be eight days behind, but that's okay. Uh, You grab one. There's some in this uh, front pew here, and we'd invite you to be a part of that and uh, join in with us. They're real short, so you can catch up. But we are praying over uh, over our My Circles And we are also praying that God would work in our hearts and lives and solidify these truths in our own minds that Jesus is really who he said he was and he did what he said he would do and he is vastly important for our lives and he's so important for the lives of those who don't yet know him that we love and care about and are praying for. And so that's what this is all about. We invite you to invite them. If you have skeptics in your life, folks that are questioning, this would be a great opportunity for you to say, hey, would you check out these messages online? And you can get those, and, or you can invite them to be here today. Today we're talking about, is Jesus a mistaken Messiah, or is he the real Messiah prophesied in the Old Testament? It's hard to miss the prophetic references in all four of the gospel accounts. Over 50 times, listen to that, over 50 times, the Old Testament is referenced when describing Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection. According to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Old Testament prophets predicted the coming Messiah and Jesus fit the description. So, that's so... Why do people not believe still when they read these passages? Why are there millions of Jews who still are waiting for the Messiah to come? Why, if that's the case, don't people believe? Shouldn't any scholar of the Old Testament believe Jesus is the Messiah? Is the evidence compelling enough for you to believe and convince skeptics? And I think it is. But let's see why. Let's examine ourselves. Now, first of all, Jewish believers exist. So it's not just that millions of Jews believe, people who follow Judaism. It's not just that a lot of them uh, miss it and still are awaiting the Messiah. There are many, many, many Jews. And the number continues to grow of people who are coming out of Judaism believing Christ is and was the Messiah. The Lord is working in that demographic of people. It's growing, a growing number of people becoming completed Jews or Messianic Jews trusting that Jesus was the Christ. So that many of them are coming to faith. 
But let's examine the evidence for ourselves to help bolster our own understanding and help us as we encounter others who may not believe. I want to use two passages. I've mentioned those already. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, and 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. And I want to read both of those uh, just right, one right after the other. So if you would, uh, they're both fairly short. Would you, if uh, you're able, would you stand out of reverence of God's word as we read his word and see what he has to say? Number one, Isaiah chapter 46, 9 through 10. Remember what happened long ago, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying my plan will take place and I will do all my will. God does what he says he will do. Now, if you'll jump over to 1 Peter 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. I love that word since this is a person of interest is our series. But they searched and investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I hope what you can see just in a simple reading of those two passages, I hope what you can see is that God is the same yesterday, today, forever. And what he has declared from the very beginning, he made known to us today. He's made known to Peter in his day, and he is making himself known in our day that Christ is the answer to what God had planned all along and what he had systematically laid out through the writings of the Old Testament prophets. That's our first point of three points, and I think we see three things that become evident through this, these passages. Number one, God has systematically laid out his plan through the writings of the Old Testament Prophets. The passage in Isaiah has God declaring something. He knows what he's up to. He knows what's up ahead, and he has systematically let us know these things. God spoke to prophets. Those prophets spoke God's words and were written down for us to read centuries later. And if you think of this in an investigative way, since uh, we are using that idea of person of interest and J. Warner Wallace being an investigator of cold case detectives, if you use these prophets and call them informants, if you will, they are credible because they didn't just predict Jesus coming, but they predicted other things that actually came about as well. 
We can't gloss over that. We can't look past that. We have to look at the Old Testament prophets and see them as either reliable or unreliable. They are reliable because they have proved true in other instances. Let me give you a couple of examples. Nahum predicted the destruction of Nineveh. It happened two years later. Isaiah prophesied that Babylon would be destroyed in 150 years before it fell. Ezekiel told of Tyre's fall 150 years prior to it actually being destroyed. So when these reliable informants, and there are others, tell of aspects of the Messiah's coming, we listen. We listen. Because they are credible. They've heard the voice of God in other instances, and it fleshed out and came to be. It's not just those three. Those are three among many. We see Jeremiah predicting the coming Messiah. We see Isaiah, we have already mentioned. We see uh, Ezekiel. We see Daniel. We see Zephaniah and Micah and Amos and Hosea. We see all of them predicting things that transpired eventually. And because they were credible to hear the voice of God for something to take place, then we too should pay attention to it. We too should listen to what they have to say. So when these reliable informants tell of aspects of a Messiah's coming, we listen to their predictions. We heed their words. And among all of them, Daniel even predicts the arrival of Messiah before the destruction of the temple and gets pretty clearly nailed down to the actual time that Jesus came. This is reliable information that we must consider. Now, that's hard because we live in a world of skeptics. We've already talked about that in this series. We live in a place where people are, skeptic about, are skeptical about the things of religion. A lot of times, people are skeptical of religion because they've been a part of it. And they've been hurt oftentimes by the church. They've been hurt by the people who represent this God, and so they just discredit all of it. But we can't because these prophets actually heard the word of God and these things came to exist. Even if you don't believe that they actually heard the word of God, you have to pay attention because what they said would transpire actually did. You see, we have credible information in the Bible to help us with our case when we're talking to the people in our life that are in our circle that we care desperately about their, uh, the eternal destiny, and, but they're shunning off Christianity. They're shirking it off. They're like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And when we speak to them, we have credible, reliable information. I would encourage you, and, and I would love to dive into every aspect of the person of interest book that we're using in, in some ways as a guide. Uh, but I don't have time to do that even in this 10-week series, but we have a great resource for you. It just came to our uh, resource center, our Pathway Resource Center, and we have it there for you to read. We'd love for you to pick it up and have an opportunity to dig into this yourself and to see the truths here. The second thing we see in these two passages, and we'll jump to Peter now. 
we see that though the, through these prophets, Christ was clearly revealed to be Savior. Peter tells us we ought to be amazed that salvation had come to the readers that he was speaking to, the, 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 the churches he was over and he was writing to. He told them they should be amazed at this. And also you and I must be amazed because the prophets had Christ's Spirit in them, guiding them, speaking the truth of Christ into their hearts for when he was to come and bring salvation to us. According to Peter, he's saying, listen, the Spirit of Christ was speaking into the prophets so that they would say these things, so that they would systematically be laid out, so that one day he, they would know that it wasn't for them to say those things, it was for you that one day Christ would come, salvation would come, Jesus would come to save people from their sins, to fulfill all the things that they wrote, and you would be the recipient of it. And you and I, by proxy, you and I in an age far beyond even probably what Peter could imagine. We should be amazed that salvation had come, that the promises of God were fulfilled in Christ Jesus so that you and I could have hope, so that you and I could have freedom from sin and from the, the threat of death and hell, that you and I could be saved and rescued and have a life for us waiting for us in heaven with Jesus. But not just for a life that would be to come, that the kingdom would be in our hearts now and that we'd be able to live with him now. The Bible says in Ephesians, Ephesians that you and I are seated in the heavenly places now with Christ Jesus, that we are heirs with him, that we have the promises of what Christ did, not just to save us from this world and one day give us a life with him in heaven, but to give us uh, heaven on earth in Christ right now. You and I I can live in the joy and freedom of knowing that though the world crumbles around us, we have hope because of Christ. We have joy because of Christ. Even when death threatens and jobs are uh, uh, scarce and when the economy is skyrocketing up and when, when all the difficulties that you and I face with health concerns and all the things that we face, we have a, a rock to stand upon. We have Jesus Christ who gave us life and freedom in him. And that promise was ours centuries before it ever transpired that Jesus would come to give you freedom, to give you life, to give you life abundantly is what John 10 reminds us. We have promise of a life to come, certainly, heaven to come, but we can have heaven even on earth now in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to what some of the prophets prophesied, and you tell me who it sounds like. In the prophets, it was told that he would be born of a woman. The Messiah would be born of a woman, a descendant of Abraham and Judah. He would crush evil. He would arise in the last days. He would bless all the nations, and he was a reconciler. That's simply in Job and Moses. Job and Moses predicted those things. David, Solomon, and Asaph, the psalmist, would predict more 
that Jesus would make known the path of righteousness, would be called God's son, was, would be executed with no bones broken. Samuel, Amos, Joel, Hosea, Micah all prophesied that Jesus would be born, or the Messiah would be born as a, de a descendant of David, born in Bethlehem, would restore barren land to fruitfulness, that his throne would be established forever and he'd be a source of peace, the Messiah. Isaiah adds a lot, but just a couple of the things that he adds is that this Messiah would be a descendant of Jesse, would be called a Nazarene, would perform miracles, would bring news of salvation, praise God, would have a forerunner to come and lead the way and prepare the way for him. We know that person is John the Baptist, that he would heal the blind, deaf, mute, and lame, <coughs> that he would be despised and forsaken that he would be crushed and beaten, that he would defeat death, and more and more. And Daniel even gives us a timeline and hits the nail on the head, among many other things. These truths cannot be ignored. All those things point to Christ. I'm not big on math. I'm not a math guy. The math person in our house is Allison, and she's much better at it than I am. But I, I, I've read a book about a guy who looked at the probability of Christ, of, of anyone fulfilling only eight messianic prophecies. Only eight. The probability of one person accidentally fulfilling eight of the Messianic prophecies. His name is Peter Stoner. He's uh, a professor of mathematics and astronomy, and he is the author of the book Science Speaks. And he, said that he determined that for one person to accurately fulfill eight of the prophecies of Jesus, of the Messiah, the likelihood of it happening is one in 10 to the 17th power. If you're like me and you don't know what that means, that means that's one in 100 quadrillion. I thought that was a made-up word. It's not, all right? <laughs> and then he goes on to say it like this. This is fascinating to me. I, lo I love it. It's, uh, this math part, no big deal. That's, that's not my thing. But this, like, it captures my, how my mind works. So he'd say, that would be like someone covering the entire state of Texas with silver dollars to a level of two feet deep. The entire state of Texas. The total number of silver dollars needed to be one in 10 to the 17th power. One, one in 100 quadrillion, right? One, 100 quadrillion. Now choose one silver dollar, mark it, and put it back, then thoroughly stir it all over the state. Now blindfold someone and tell them they can travel wherever they want in Texas, but sometime, at some point, they must pick one of the silver dollars. The chance of them finding that one silver dollar that marked, was marked with an X in a pile two feet deep covering the state of Texas is the same chance it would take for the prophets to accidentally predict these eight prophecies coming and be only coming true in one man in the future. The fact of the matter is, the gospels alone 
mentioned the Old Testament prophecies 50 times. Jesus didn't just fulfill eight. He fulfilled them all. He fulfilled them all. We can trust him. And now the last point, because of the apostles' eyewitness account, we can trust that Jesus is true. That's what Peter continues saying. He continues saying that these truths had been preached by people and those apostles and others who followed them based all their knowledge on the fact that they saw Jesus and they saw him in his resurrected state. And because of that, it bolsters the truth even more that we can trust Jesus. Peter says angels are envious of us. Isn't that crazy? Verse 12. These things have been now announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit. Send from heaven angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. You ever thought about that? The angels. I don't know if you can say jealous or not, but they long to catch a glimpse of what you and I get to experience by faith. That salvation comes to you and I. Delivered by mere men who heard from God and spoke his truth so that you and I could have faith. Now listen, I can sit up here all day long till I'm blue in the face and I love apologetics. Apologetics is the, the study of theology that helps us to defend our faith. And I love that. And I could tell you here today and I could, I could, I could write it all out for you and and, and spend hours and hours and hours showing you how Jesus is reliable. But it would not be enough. It would be mere information if you didn't believe it. Because the, the scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing, right? You have to have faith that we are saved by grace, through, by faith through grace. We are saved by God's grace and us trusting in that and having faith in him you and I must believe we got to get to a point where we say either I believe or I don't you must make a choice you must decide for yourself if all these things are true and Jesus really fulfilled all these things then you have to make a choice in a moment we're going to pray and sing and my prayer is today, you would make a choice today. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you don't know Christ as Savior. Maybe you haven't trusted him. Maybe you haven't followed him in this way. Maybe you've been skeptical. It's okay. We're glad you're here. I'd love to talk with you afterwards, but you don't have to wait. I would encourage you to make a decision today. Decide today what you will do with Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Would you speak to our hearts today, God? Would you help us to have faith? Lord, these things are pretty convincing, but Lord, we've got to make a decision. What are we going to do? Will we continue to live our lives as if none of this matters? 
as if we can just continue on doing whatever we want. Here's the crazy thing, Lord, if, if that's what we want, you'll, you'll give it to us. But I pray, Lord, that you would pierce the hearts of those here today that would be convinced that these things are true, not just intellectually, but by faith, by faith. We are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, so that we may not boast, but it's a gift from God. Lord, would you impart the gift of faith into the hearts of the people here today? Some of us, Lord, have been saved for a long time. We trusted a long time ago, Lord, but... If I'm honest, there are days my faith wanes. Doesn't mean I'm not saved anymore. It just means I'm just kind of living my life on autopilot and living it for myself. Oh God, I would pray that you would work in my heart to have faith every day. Lord, the, we sang before and this is so true that your mercies are new every morning but Lord would you renew my faith would you renew the joy of my salvation daily as well would you spark in the hearts of the people here Lord something like Peter said it's from heaven that the angels would be envious of us because we've seen Christ we've been changed we experience salvation and he's working in us. He's working in us in a way that can only be attributed to him. That's what I want for me, Lord. That's what I want for this church, Lord. That's what we need desperately to not be complacent with where we are, but to be ignited in our faith. So, Lord, as you imparted faith to us at the moment of our salvation, Lord, you impart faith to us again, renewed to again, Lord, that we would be, be ignited by the truth of who Christ is and what he's done, that he is Messiah, and that he's not just conceptually this person who met all these prophecies and predictions but that he is Messiah, Christ, the anointed one of my life. The anointed one anointing me with faith. Would you fill us, Lord, with your spirit as we sing and praise you today. And Lord, if someone is here today to make any kind of decision, Lord, would you ignite their heart, Lord, to do that today and not wait another moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and let's sing together.